0: Thanks for coming back on Sunday night to be a part of this time together. I'm praying that the Lord will just speak very simply through the message I'm going to share tonight. And I want to set it up like this because I experienced something. I want to say is a little over a month ago. We've had some really warm weather, as you know, and so... On Sunday evenings, um, when I didn't have to speak or anything, I sometimes jump on my motorcycle and I just take a little ride. And in this particular case, I had taken a ride up to Grand Haven and I was riding through some of the streets in Grand Haven. So I'm off the main road and I'm just going some little back roads and I'm following a moped. Before I tell you this story, let me say to you, I have... The utmost respect for police officers, they are my dear friends. I have many of them who are my dear friends, so don't think I'm telling this story to make fun of police officers, because I don't do that. They're my favorite people. I love them. But I'm going through the little streets in Grand Haven, and I'm following this moped, and I know how fast I'm going, because I'm looking down at my speedometer, thinking, man, he's going slow. And I've, I've got a little Harley motorcycle, so I'm behind a moped. So I know I'm kind of could dominate him if I needed to. You know, that kind of feeling. And, and so I'm riding behind this moped that's going about 24, 25 miles an hour. And I'm on a city street, so I'm, I'm behaving myself. And I'm following this little moped. And a police officer goes by us, Grand Haven Police Officer. I see him go by. I might have even waved. I, I, I remember seeing him go by. And about a minute later, one minute or so later, all of a sudden I look in my rear view and I've got this light on me and this, this light's flashing like crazy and I'm like, whoa, what's up here? So I pull over, I actually took a little side street, pulled over and parked my motorcycle. I got off, I had my helmet on and, and I took my helmet off and I said, officer, can I help you? And he said, well, you know what you did wrong, right? And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't know what I was doing wrong. He said, well, you were speeding and I said, well, o- officer, um, I I remember you passing me and do you do you remember I was following that moped? And he goes, Yes, you were following that moped. I said, he said, and I clocked him doing twenty-four and I got you at forty-five. And I said, Well, sir, I've been following him for several blocks now, so I don't know how I pulled that off, but but I was going the same speed he was going. And he said, and now I can tell just by being close to you, I can tell you've been drinking. <laughs> well, guys. I, I don't drink, okay? I had a half a beer when I was 17. It made me really sick, and I just don't drink alcohol ever. I never drink alcohol. And he said, you've been drinking. I'm like, sir, I, I, I'm a pastor. I live down in Holland. I travel around in I, I He goes, my pastor drinks. I'm like, well, good for you, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink beer at all. And he said, well, I don't believe you. And he said, because I can smell it very strong on your breath. So I said, officer, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be really calm here, but I don't drink. And I said, I just ate a Take 5 chocolate candy bar. So if that smells like beer, then you got me, buddy. You got me big time. I said, I pulled over and ate a Take 5. And he looked at me for a while, and he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I believe you've been drinking. And I said, well, sir, I haven't. And he said, well, I'll give you a breathalyzer test. But if I'm right, you've got to pay $160. And I said, I'll take it. So he goes to his car, he gets the breathalyzer out, he comes up to me, and he uh, puts it in my mouth, and he said, blow into this, and I said, no problem. So I blow into it, and he takes it down, and he goes, huh, (laughs) and I said, what is it? He goes, you haven't had any alcohol, and I said, I told you I don't drink, and I said, of course it's not going to say there's alcohol, unless there's chocolate and alcohol, and I don't know about it, I don't drink, sir, and he said, "Um, well i tell you what, get out of here. He paused the moment. i tell you what, get out of here. And I was like, I said, wait, 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 no, no. I said, no, I'm not going to get out of here. I said, I want you to write me a ticket for whatever I did. I said, because you said I was speeding and you said I was drinking. I'd like to see it on a piece of paper. No, I'm not going to do it. I want you to get out of here. I'm like, officer, I'm not going to get out of here because you said I did it. Write me up for it. I don't want somebody later saying you tried to get out of a ticket. He goes into his car and he drives away <laughs> like a hit and run right there. I'm I'm called Jane, I'm like, honey, a police officer just drove away from me. He pulled me over and now he's driving away. What am I supposed to do? She's like, get his tag number. So I'm I'm laughing thinking about this. And and I tell you what, I don't know if you you guys who are parents. That's what parenting feels like to me, that moment. Because your kids come in, they say, well, you're blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I didn't even do anything. I'm just trying to be a parent. Well, you're not a good one. Well, you're drinking. I'm not drinking. I want to (laughs) drink. Sometimes you drive me to drink, but I'm not drinking. And you you just feel like you can't win. I mean, I had done that I know of, nothing wrong. I got accused of doing something wrong, and then I was totally innocent two minutes later. That's what parenting is like i got four kids. When I have tried to work with one of them on a certain issue in the last five years, you guys have prayed for my daughter, Anna. i got the other three telling me I'm doing it the wrong way. <laughs> Anybody get this in your family? Oh, your other, the siblings love to tell you how you're handling that wrong. And as a parent, it's tiring. I stand here tonight telling you I have failed many, many, many times. I do not do it all right. And I want to emphasize that as I start this message. And at our house, if you walk in our house, there's some really cool verses we have around our house. Like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder will labor in vain. I I know the verses. When it comes to quoting verses, I look good. When it comes to living the verses, it's harder. Because that's for me and my house. I want us to serve the Lord, but at times, there's a couple of them not doing that. <laughs> and it feels like that falls on me. I feel like, man, man, I'm failing here. What am I doing wrong? Some of you got kids and grandkids right now who are not walking with the Lord, and you find yourself going, Lord, what, what can I do? What have I done? It's human nature. And this morning, remember our verse, we are all witnesses. And I want to tell you something today. Our children, like my four children, they are witnessing how I handle everything in this thing. And I have a new thing I'm doing with them that I've found very helpful for me. I will say to my children, hey, look, I took what was handed to me and I have improved it some. I'm asking you, since you guys seem to be so brilliant with this parenting stuff, I'm asking you to take the poor way I've handled it up the ante, do it another step better, and then the next generation will be even better than what I did for you. So as a parent, I've come tonight... To encourage you I assume tonight there would be some people here who aren't parents but you can get on this because it'll make sense get in on this because it'll make sense to you too and what I'm going to do tonight is very simple I'm going to share with you what I consider uh, 10 of the top mistakes I have struggled with and made in my family life and I believe as I share them you're going to relate to them. In fact, I call them the Seaborn's Top Ten. It's going to fly in on the screen right here for you in a minute here. And we're going to go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And I'm simply going to talk about things I have done and things I have learned that I believe could be helpful. If you have young children, I believe these thoughts of my struggles, my failures, how though I want to honor the Lord in everything I do, I don't always do it. I hope that some of the things I share tonight will be an encouragement for you to go, Oh! I'm a pretty normal parent, and so we're just going to do it. You guys start, can you guys fly that thing in? We're going to start with number 10, and we'll just work our way down. It's very simple. The 10th mistake, coming up on the screen, there it is. We parent our children based on our own child and teen mistakes. What we do as parents is we, we see little things our children begin to do, and we know when we did that thing, what it led us into and so we got this, whoa, these big things, these reactionary things inside us go, oh, no, I've got to get that stopped. Because I know where it led me. And it, it just doesn't work that way with everyone. My father was, uh, I am told, a hellion. He was not a good teenager. He was a bad, bad dude. He never told me anything about that. He now has dementia. He's living with me and my brother now, and I had him the last three weeks. When we walk around the block, I'll say, I said to him when I, my, you know, daily walk with him around the block, Dad, did you ever, like as a teenager, did you ever do anything bad? No, I don't recall one thing I did bad. <laughs> that dementia can work out good for you as you get old. <laughs> he has no memories of doing anything bad. But I know, I know, for example, uh, because my mom told me that he didn't even get to go in the military because he was such an alcoholic at that point in his life. So dad broke from that. The Lord healed him from that stuff, some of that stuff. But he did a lot of bad stuff. And so what my father did was he clamped down on me when I began to hit my teenage years. I could literally go nowhere, do nothing. I never went to a high school football game, and I remember asking him why. He said, because all it does is lead to drinking, because that's what it did for him. I never went to a high school football game. I one time because I had a good friend, my next door neighbor. He played in the middle school team, and I went to a middle school game. And I don't, don't. Tell, I'm not trying to do this to tell on my dad, but when I came home, my father had actually beat my mom because he said she let me go, and he was going to punish her for it. And I remember as a kid going, "Well, I'm never going again because I'm not going to let my mom get beat by my dad. I'm talking physically beat her because she let me go to a game." So he reacted. Watch this. He reacted huge. And he put these incredible clamps on me. He parented me based on his mistakes. Now watch this. I want to show you how the pendulum swings. So, boo, the pendulum swung from over here. This real uh, controlling father telling you everything to do. And it swung all the way with me. You ready? I swung this way. And I said, I'm giving my kids freedom. That didn't work with two of them. (laughs) I wish I would have picked the middle ground. See, I react. See, I can say all the stuff I want to say about my dad. I did the same thing. I went over here. And if I would have stayed probably in here, I think I would have done a better job as a parent. So we have to, as parents, use wisdom and say, okay, wait a minute. What are the things right now I'm grappling and struggling with, but I'm letting my childhood and the way I was parented affect even how I'm doing that stuff? If we don't do that, it will make a really big mistake. Because we'll overreact to how we were treated. And it just, the pendulum back and forth. And back. So for generations, this is what you'll see. And somewhere in the middle, some parents got to go, hang on a minute. Let's get a little balance here. Got to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I don't think I did that, a, a good job of that. I think I could have done some of that much better. Now, I have four children, and all of them have different personalities, as you know. If you have more than one child, they're all different. You can't parent them all the same way. I I used to think that. I remember when Josh was born, we had Alan. I remember when Josh was born, I thought, I'm going to do the same stuff with him. That didn't work. And so as a parent, pray for wisdom to ask God to guide you so that you can raise your children up to love and honor him. But you need wisdom with each of those decisions and each of those children handling it in a way that doesn't, Base your parenting style on your childhood mistakes. Some of your children will do the exact same thing you did, and it will not lead them down the road it led you down. Don't assume that. It's a big mistake parents make. The ninth mistake parents make, I'm just going to go through them just like that. Okay, very simple. Number nine, we forget that we are the adult. When you're in a room with your child, you're the adult. And when you have adult children, you're still supposed to be the more mature adult. Now, I'm going to go back to when our kids were younger. Um, I was a lose-it dad. I I just don't lose it anymore. I don't get angry. Uh, The Lord's helped me with that. I prayed and asked Him to heal me of that because I grew up with that with my father yelling and screaming. And so I took some of that with my life and my children. And I remember, I'm going to tell you how I got rid of that. Um, my children um, would push me over the edge at times. And we would get into yelling matches. So if I, especially my two boys, if we got into a disagreement, they'd raise their voice. Well, I can match that and I can raise it even higher. So we'd go in and i tell you, you will, you will not. Yes, you will. You will not. And one day that happened and um, the situation was done. And Jane and I were talking later, and she had witnessed it. And she said to me this very phrase. She said to me, boy, Dan, I was watching you earlier, and I couldn't tell which one of you in the room was the adult. That's what she said. And I said, honey, that's not good. I'm a preacher. You should be able to tell who the adult preacher is. And she said, well, I couldn't. And I said, okay, this is really what we did." I said, we got to change something up. Because y'all know the phrase I use a lot, got from one of our counselors, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So if I don't change my behavior, it's probably going to start with the kid. So I said to Jane, okay, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to establish a new rule in our home. When you see us losing it, when you see me, not us, when you see me losing it with the kids, I want you to walk up, and I want you simply to just put your hand on my shoulder. If I'm going at the kids, they're going at me. Walk up, put your hand on my shoulder, and say, hey, Dan, go to your room. That's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Dan, you go to your room. So we were able to actually practice this. Uh, The next time we were in a situation, I think it was Alan at that time, me and him were going at, we were yelling at each other, and she walked up to me and she said, hey, Dan, 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 go to your room. You should have seen him. He's like, ooh, ooh, ooh." (laughs) that'll tick you off right there, I'm going to tell you. When your own son's going, she got you, you know? But this was a pre-agreed on thing. And so I did. I remember going, oh, Jesus, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) I'm so... I go to the room, and I got in that room. I'm going to tell you guys, it took about twice for that to happen for me to become the adult in the room. That was so humiliating. And I would agreed to it. So if y'all go home and do this and you agree to it, you got to stick with the deal. But I knew if I didn't change my behavior, we're going to be a family that just keeps yelling at each other. I bet in a room this big, some of y'all are yellers. You did a good job staying quiet. (laughs) But the reality is some of you are yellers. And let me just tell you, that's not adult behavior. Adults don't yell at you. You don't look mature. And let me tell you, mistake number eight comes right after this. If you don't get in control of number nine, then mistake number eight coming up on the screen is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to say stupid stuff. (laughs) When you're angry, you let stuff out of your mouth that you know you wish you had never said. When you're angry, you don't have control. When you don't have control, when you don't feel like you have God's guidance and control over you. I'm sorry, I just don't think Jesus ever went around just losing it and yelling saying stuff he regretted. That's my example, right? My example is not my father, my example is Jesus. Now, my children are all witnesses to how I handle this. So for me as a child, and you have heard me tell this probably because I'm sure I've mentioned this over the years of preaching here. I still remember I was probably seven or eight. My dad was really angry at me that day. Him and mom were laying in bed that night. We lived in a very small home. It would have been no bigger than this stage right here. was four rooms cut in a square. I mean, it was a simple house. Our, my bedroom connected to his bedroom. One simple house, thin walls. And mom and dad are laying in bed. They are talking about me. My father is very angry at me. And he said this phrase, all I can tell you, Betty, that was my mom's name. All I can tell you, Betty, is I wish that kid would have never been born. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget hearing that. I'd say um, 10 years ago, I still woke up crying having that dream. If I went to my dad today, well, he'd say I never said it. I know that's what he'd say. (laughs) But I can tell you this. he, He wishes he had never said it to me. He had no idea that one little phrase would literally shape my life. And I'm trying to help you guys see today. I'm looking around this room. There's lots of adults in this room. Your phrases to your children and grandchildren, they matter. If you're saying anything... That will do damage to them. Stop. If you have choice words. Jane and I work hard at this in our marriage too. I say to her. There are things we say. Phrases that are said. If one of them comes out in our marriage relationship. I'll say babe. That's not a phrase we're allowed to ever say. I won't say that. And you're not going to say that. Because words damage. And I want to tell you today. That I think as parents. um, A lot of us had things said to us that probably affect the way we parent, and we allow ourselves to sometimes say things out of our mouth that's not God-honoring. If Jesus was standing in the room, you wouldn't say it. Well, he is. According to him, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, is in our lives as followers of the Lord, so he's there with us. And I want to tell you today that you need to honor the Lord with the words that come out of your mouth. And I can tell you this is something I work really hard at with all we've been through with our daughter. Oh, my goodness, there were days I wanted to let things out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness, there were days when I had the text ready to send. And I go, no, that's not, I I shouldn't send that. It would be a lot better for me to send a text that says, I'm praying than this one. This one would feel good, but it won't accomplish what I'm wanting to accomplish. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes I think if, if Jesus could say to me the things I deserve having said to me. Yeah. So let's make sure we understand that we as adults need to control what comes out of our mouth. Because here's what's funny. We, we, we want to control what comes out of our kids' mouths. If they say something, you may not say that. I bet there are times your kids would like to say, Mom and Dad, you may not say that because you're destroying my spirit. Ask yourself tonight, is there anything saying? In fact, if you're here and your, your spouse is here, your parents together on the way home, just ask that. <laughs> if you got your kids here, trust me, they'll tell you. But just talk about it. Just have an open conversation. Because see, so, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So tonight, what I'm trying to do is help you see that, wow, you know, I love Jesus. Hey, guys, I love Jesus like crazy. I love him like crazy. I'd do anything for him. Well, then I need to also check these little things in my life and make sure nothing's slipping through the cracks because parenting's a cracky place. Little things can fall through, especially when you're tired and you're losing it. Those of you who parent young children have children under the age of five or under the age of seven or, you know, two and three and four, I'm sorry for you. It's tiring. I'm done with that age. But you are still (laughs) dealing with some... I tell people all the time, I was born to be an empty nester, baby. People that don't like that, I'm like, I was born for that them kids out of that house you can come stay about three hours see you later I mean this is my house but if you got young children it's tiring and sometimes you can lose it you can say stuff remember you're the adult do not say foolish things let your lips honor and please and praise the Lord it's a big deal number seven we'll just keep going the next thing that I think parents do to make mistakes, number seven, is we make sure our kids have all the stuff we never did. We live in a society right now of spoiling kids. We're spoiling them. And what made most of us in this room who we are today is the tough times. What made me appreciate my car was I paid for it. I mean, you know, you guys think about that. If somebody hands you something, you just don't take as good care of it. And I think sometimes we fall into this trap of going, but I, want the, but I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. Well, what you went through is what made you you. It's what made you stronger. It's what made you want to work harder. Don't just hand it to them because then they don't appreciate it. I have a buddy who he told me he had gone with his young son to get, and he was going to buy a four-wheeler. He'd been working to get a four-wheeler. His kid was like eight, nine years old. You know, it was nice four-wheel, terrain vehicles, etc. And when he got there, he said the price of it was just crazy. And he's like, I don't think we can spend this much. And his son literally said, well, Dad, that plastic thing in your wallet, it'll pay for anything. Just use it. <laughs> and he said, my son actually thought that piece of plastic was all you need. Like he's going to grow up and just wave plastic. He said he didn't know a bill comes. And that's what we're raising, a generation who who don't understand, doesn't understand what it takes to work and pay our bills. And so be careful that you don't just give your kids handouts. God's Word very clearly teaches that we're to work. And I think when we make it too easy for our children, um, we mess them up. Uh, My daughter Anna she will say to me right now dad you gave me such a good life I I had to lose it all and now she's having to work to get it back and she said and now I appreciate it more and more what you tried to give me and, and help me with and set me up to win she sees it now she's 23 and she's seeing it now and that comes with age and maturity. And I told her, actually, she was at service this morning. We had, we had lunch together right after, and we were talking about that very thing. And she said, I, I'm, I'm growing, Dad. I said, I know. I see it, babe. I'm proud of you. And she said, but it's a lot of work. Right. <laughs> but she's appreciating it more. She's paying for her own place. It's how she becomes responsible. And so do the best you can to make sure your children pave their own way, earn their own way, work their own way. I I, I, can just, I can just tell you from personal experience, um, I've sat with many, many, many wealthy people. I remember sitting with a man in Grand Rapids, so stinking wealthy, he could buy this church many times over. And I remember he was 80 years old when I sat with him. He was crying like a baby, crying, asking me to help him. He said, I've got a son, and I've given him millions of dollars. And he said he took that millions of dollars and he went down to North Carolina and he's building a shrine to like an unknown guy. I don't want to say because I don't want to give it away. But he said, Dan, all that money I worked to give, he is taking it and just blowing it. And the guy was just sitting crying saying, here's what he said, what have I done? So it's pretty obvious to hear a story like that and go, my goodness. Well, well, wait, careful, pull back. We can do that small scale too. Scale that down to $1,000, you can still set them up to lose. So be very wise as a parent. Don't just hand things out to your children. Let them earn their own way. Of course, help them. Get them along life's way. That's part of it. I'm going to do that for my children. But I still want them to know how to provide for themselves. And sometimes that's not easy to do. But as a parent, understand you're bolstering and helping them more. When you teach them. Into, they are not supposed to ride your coattails the rest of their life. They're supposed to do things on their own. They're on their own faith. They're not going to get into heaven on your good works. They get into faith on their own belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing with the things. Let them work to provide for themselves. Because they will be way more appreciative. And when you're gone, they'll be fine. It's a mistake I think many parents are making these days. Number six. We'll keep going. Number six. We are being buddy buddy and not daddy and mommy. I'm seeing this more and more in our society. Dads and moms want to fit in, they want to be cool, they want the kids to like them. And you know, in our society, 50's a new 40, 40's a new 30. Uh uh-uh. uh. If you're 50, you're 50. Deal with it. <laughs> if you're 40, you're 40. You ain't 18. <laughs> Act your age. And I do think that so many parents these days are wanting, you know, like, all their friends' friends and, you know, your children's We want them to think we're the life. Oh, no, no, be the adult. Let me tell you something that teens still like. When they talk to me, they say, I just wish my parents would be my parents. It's not cool to them when you try to act like you're 18. You're not. Plus, if our children are witnesses, Hebrews chapter 12. If they're witnessing and watching our life, and those who have gone before them watching, we want to show that we're mature. We want to show we're growing. And that means, as an adult, I behave as an adult. I am my children's dad and mom. Still today, I am my children's dad and mom. I will never be their age. And they look to me for the next level of maturity. When my father passes, my mom already has, when my father passes, I will be the patriarch of the family. I don't feel like I should be. I don't feel like I'm that old, but I'm next in line. I become that guy. And look around this room. There's a lot of that guys. And we have to own that and be responsible because that next generation, now my grandchildren are watching going, I want to be like grandpa who wants to be like Jesus. And that means maturity in me. And so be a parent who understands you're the dad and the mom. You're not the buddy. I am friends with my kids, but I am not their best buddies. They're they're their own and responsible to have friendships, but I'm the dad. Number five, we'll just keep rolling through them. Number five mistake parents make is we try to keep them from suffering the consequences of their mistakes. Are you guys watching this happen in the school system these days? I mean, I remember when I would and I'm not trying to throw back to something, but when I came home from school, if I had got a note from the teacher, my mom didn't go, what did that teacher do wrong? She'd be like, I'm just assuming you're wrong, and I need to confirm that. And I think too many times now we we protect our children too much from the consequences of their mistakes. I remember uh, Josh, my second son, he loved, that boy loved to drive fast. And I would tell him, Josh, because Alan. Alan's a real first child, real steady driver. He's a rule abider. He's his mom made over. And Josh is like me. If he was in Grand Haven, he would have been forty five in that twenty five. It's just Josh. He goes fast. And um, he was sixteen, and he was driving to school. And he calls me on the way to school, Dad. I, he had a Ford Taurus, red Ford Taurus. Dad, I got pulled over today. I'm like, You did? Yeah, I was doing what like forty and twenty, whatever. He said, You know how the ticket is? I said, how much, Josh? He said, a hundred dollars. He said, are you gonna help me with that? And I said, was I driving? I'm sorry, was I, was I driving? Dad, you gotta help. I don't have that much money. Yeah, you do. It's just gonna take a lot of it. He said, So you won't help me at all? Not at all. He said, You won't even pay any of it. None of it. Of course, he's irritated. He's 16, so he hangs up. I didn't care. I'm not paying his ticket. I wasn't driving. That's his job. Listen, on the way home from school, got another ticket. Same day, same stinking day, calls me up, dad. I'm like, Jay, you home? No, I got pulled over again. I said, on the same day? I started laughing. I'm like, you got pulled over twice on the same day? I said, I guess you ain't learning a lot, are you, son? Well, you'll help me with the second one, won't you? Shoot. No, I think this is hilarious. That's $200. Dad, that's all my money. I know. Have you learned anything yet? (laughs) That's not my job to pay his cop ticket. That's his job. You guys would laugh because he's 28 now and he lives in Philadelphia. He lives in Camden. He's like, Dad, the cops here, they don't care if you go 1,000 miles an hour. They got bigger issues to deal with. So he said, I moved to the right city in America. (laughs) And I said, well, if you get a ticket, I ain't paying it. But guys, listen, I could have bailed him out. I got $200. I could have paid both those tickets. What would he learn? Nothing. Nothing. So let him suffer the consequences of their mistakes. Anna, my daughter, I love her to death. I love this girl to death. I have watched her suffer some crazy consequences these last few years. She sit with me in the last few months crying, Dad, I'm paying such a high price for what I've done. I said, yeah, you are. I hope you're learning from it because I can't fix it, baby. It's your choice. Listen to me. Our children have to be responsible for their choices. Don't bail them out. Let them learn from their mistakes. But then they're not learning. That's on them. That's not on you. Teach them, guide them, and let them learn. If I've learned one thing through parents of my four children, and I learned it the most through Anna, and I love her to death, I have learned that there are times I simply have to go, Anna, you got to deal with it. I tried, and I told you, and now you must suffer the consequence of that mistake. And she would say, standing right here right now, I get it. And if I keep bailing her out, I'm not teaching her anything. Number four, next mistake I think parents make is this. I think... uh, as parents, we need to learn to say the words, I'm sorry. Some of you in here struggle with saying those two words. Some of you need to go to your children tonight and say, I'm sorry, I haven't done this the best. I told my children all the time, I, I said it all the time. And you guys get, I, I've got four children. If you add all my kids' age up, I've been parenting over 100 years now. <laughs> if you think about it, each kid's different. I've been parenting over 100 years. And I have learned a lot. And I tell my children all the time when they say, well, dad, I I say to them, hey, guys, this is my first time to parent you at this age, and I have not done it perfect, and I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I learned this. My father could not say sorry to me. He just could not say sorry. I remember one time, you know, my dad was real big on not using any profanity, and I remember one time trying to get a lawnmower started. He couldn't get it started, and he just started cursing like crazy. And I went up, I said, dad, You don't let me talk that way. Why can you talk that way? He said, I can talk, and he threw another way. I can talk however I want, but you will obey what I do. The right thing for him to say right there would have been, son, I'm sorry. I need to set an example for you, and you're right. Hey, listen, sometimes your kids, listen, sometimes they're right. And when they are, you need to say, hey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Jane still has a real strong memory of her mom one time, made a big mistake. And when Jane called her in it and saw it, her mom said to her, Well, there have been other times I'm sure I was right, didn't get credit for it, so I'm I'm just going to let that go this time. (laughs) She didn't want to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) He said, That's awesome. It's true. It's just true. It's funny. (laughs) And so, as parents, you know what we can do? We're afraid. I know. I, I do. No, you don't do everything right. You mess up plenty, probably as much as your kids. So just tell them. Say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm learning too. This is my first time to parent you this age. That's the line I use. I've never parented you this age. So I'm learning how to do it right. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry will go a long way in healing a lot of family situations. And I also expect my kids to say I'm sorry when I think they're wrong. So I need to give that to them. If you need to go home tonight and say I'm sorry, do it. Number three, another mistake I think parents make. Oh, this is a big one. We over and under believe in them. I'm going to talk about this for a minute because we would look up there and we would see that and go, oh, well, I know pe- people who under believe in their children, right? Like, oh, you need to believe in your kids when I get it. But I want, to, I want to tell you, too, there is a way as a parent sometimes you can over believe in your children. You set them up for failure. by telling, Oh, you're the best at this. You're the best at that. You are so good at this. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I remember when uh, my kids were in high school, I think uh, Pastor Bernie, I think, even saw my son, Alan, play basketball. Alan's a good athlete. He does fine on the basketball court, but he wasn't as good as some of the other kids on that court. He wasn't. I was the coach. I know he was, and I was watching him. And I remember telling Alan one day at home, son, I want to tell you something. You're a good basketball player but you aren't as good, and I named his friend on the team. I said, but you aren't as good as so-and-so. And I said, he's just a natural athlete. He's got a better shot. It's just how God gave you gifts. He's got a better gift than you in that area, and I need you to do something for me on this team. I need you to really believe in him because I think if me and you believe in him, he'll go to a whole new level and it'll help the whole team. And Alan totally bought into it. He said, Dad, you're right. I'll never be that good. I'll do it. I, I believe I helped him see that. And then I said to him, now, Alan, I going to tell you something. In the classroom... I just need you to know as my son, you do circles around this boy. He will never match your skills mentally. He just doesn't do it. So you need to know that and understand that too. So be patient with him in the classroom. So Alan would get 4.0 and this kid would get 2.0. In other words, A's and he'd get C's and D's. And I remember, I remember watching this kid's parent could not handle that. He would say to his kid, "I don't, Alan just got lucky on that test. You're smarter than Alan. Well, I'm sitting over here going, no, he ain't. I mean, I'm not going to call you out on it, but your kid ain't got the mental goods my kid's got. Now, he can school him in basketball, but it would be helpful for your kid if you could just look at him and go, you know what, Alan's a little better than you in that area, so so cheer for him. You know, I think if we would teach our children to celebrate other people's gifts, it'd be better for our society as a whole. Because I want to tell you something about your kids, okay? I want to tell you something about your kids they'll do good. Some of them will excel incredibly at certain things and become the best at it possibly, okay? But here's why I think you need to be honest with your kids about this stuff. When they get out in the real world and they're employed, their employer's not gonna go around going, you're the best, you're the best. That's not what they do. (laughs) That's not the real world. And if you've set your children up to live in the real world and they realize they're not the best at something, it won't boggle their mind. They won't walk around depressed that they're no good at something. And I believe sometimes as parents, we can overbelieve in our children and actually mess them up. So believe in them. Bring out their best gifts. And then help them to understand, and in other areas, hey, hey, in other areas, there's people more gifted than you. Celebrate that. That's a God-giftedness. And I want my kids to know, you're really good at that, but you're not so good at that. And that's okay. That's life. So to me, as a parent, part of my job is to set them up to be able to function good in the real world. As a parent, I believe believing in them the right way. Not over, not under, right there is perfect. Number two, the next mistake I believe we make as parents, too lazy to do the legwork to know what's going on in their life. In the world of social media, I'm guessing as I look around some parents in this room, you have no clue what they're doing right now on their computer. You need to take, make some work to check that out. Now, i got to say this to you. As we went through this thing with Anna, some of the stuff during her teen years, okay, so during the teen years, as an adult, I don't have to chase that stuff down, but when she's in my home and I'm responsible for her, I believe it was my job to watch her life because anything I could do to try to help her, I was going to do. And guess, guess what? I remember the days when Jane and I found out stuff we didn't really want to know. I remember saying to Jane, I see why parents don't chase this stuff down. Because when we found out the truth, it hurt. And it's a lot easier just to go, I'm going to imagine that's not happening. But I believe especially when your children are still in the home. Like I say, through high school, we need to be monarch and knowing that stuff. Because if there's stuff I can stop and cut off, I need to be the... I am the adult in the room. It is my home. I get to decide in this home. And I need to set down the guidelines and rules. And I'm doing it. Remember to try to protect them. So be their adult there, do the legwork, work work at it. And let me tell you one of the ways I did that, because I'm not the most savvy on computer. I mean, I'm pretty good. I'm probably a B on computers, on phones, et cetera. My tech guy at the office is A triple plus. So I would sometimes slip in my kid's phone and go, hey, check this out, anything on there I need to know? He can go in and zip, 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 yep, two, three. He, He can just tell me. And I call that SMART. And so make sure you understand there are people that can tell you stuff. Ask them. Find out. Stay in touch. Because if you turn away, this is always my deal. If I turn and I know there might be something there and I don't do something about it, man, oh, man, I could lead them to a really bad ending. And as a parent, I feel it's part of my, I can't make their choices, but I can sure try to guide them and steer them and keep stuff out of my house. In fact, Anna, when she finally came home, I remember her saying, well, it just came to my mind. She said to me one time, Dad, one of the reasons I wanted to come back here was I knew it was a safe place for me. Make your house a safe zone. Keep that crap out of as much as you can. And then the number one thing as parents you can do, and it's something I think parents do, but I want you to understand it is this. This is, this is probably my favorite. Sometimes as parents, you think you're a failure if your kids fail. And I want to show you what the Lord showed me going through my hellacious times with my daughter, Anna, up at 2.30 at night, in the middle of it, not knowing if she was alive or dead. Awful, awful stuff. And one morning, early in the morning, sit by myself in my living room, looking out at probably 2.30 in the morning. And the Lord brought something to my mind, and it's been such an encouragement to me. The Lord kind of spoke into my spirit, hey, Dan, hey, Dan, do you remember my first child? His name was Adam. He really messed up. Have you ever blamed me for that, Dan? And I remember sitting there going, "God, I've, I've never thought that Adam was your fault. I just figured he screwed up." He's like, "Right, Adam made a bad choice." And and I remember going, "And Lord, you, you were a perfect parent. You set him up in a perfect garden with a perfect woman, and you gave him perfect this and that and the other." And he made bad choices. Right. And I remember the Lord saying, Dan, you're not a perfect parent. But you're also not the failure you think you are. Your daughter's making bad choices. You've taught her. She's just making bad choices. And this is what I felt that night. Stop beating the snot out of yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Sometimes your children make bad choices just because they make bad choices. You keep being a faithful parent. Dan, look at my world. i got six billion kids on it. Some of them are really messed up. Do you ever blame me? Nope. I just figure they're making wrong choices. As a parent, I believe I did some things that didn't help my daughter, but I don't believe I'm ultimately responsible for her decisions. She is. And I want you tonight to feel a little relief for that as Parents. To understand, you're to train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. I believe that proverb. I try to live that proverb. But Anna still has to make her choices. Thank God she's making much better choices. And I'm praising him for that. And I trust that the Lord will guide you and your children. That in the days ahead, we will see them make good choices. Because they are growing in their faith in the Lord. The one thing you can always do for your kids is pray for them. Some of you don't know where one of your kids is tonight, but God does. Pray to him and ask him to keep them in his care. And I believe he's faithful. He's faithful. And I ask you as parents to learn from some of my mistakes. Mr. Mistake, learn from me. Take some thought you've learned here and go out of here and be a witness to your own growth in the Lord through this day we've had together. Father God, it's been a good day. Talked this morning about, to the teens and, and, and talked to them about growing and being a witness. And now tonight, talking to parents, uh, we can take it up a notch. We don't do it all perfect, but I pray you'd help us. Remind us, Lord, that we won't do it perfect. But I pray, Lord, more than anything, that the children, grandchildren, great grandchildren represented in this room, Lord, our prayer is that they would find you as their Lord and Savior and they would know heaven as their ultimate home. Lord, what a prayer. Take our children under your care and bring them to you so they will know heaven as their final home. We all agree on that. In Jesus' name we say, amen.